0: Is The Talking Dead a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead?
1: Hi, my name is Jason, and my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 375, recorded Thursday, April 19th, 2018. You sound surprised. I'm a little surprised. It's the 19th already?
0: Yeah, it's the 19th of April. The year is flying by, as they tend to do uh, as I get older. The years just go faster and faster. But here we are on April 19th, and it's episode 375, which is a nice round number.
1: We're uh, three- It's not round. You know, I've been thinking about that today. Well. It's uh, you know, 375. I mean, it's a, it sort of seems like a round number, but it's not round. It's obviously no. a... Square number.
0: It, it, but it's late three quarters of the way between 300 and 400, and, and that feels like a, a milestone.
1: It does feel like a milestone.
0: But 400 will
1: be exciting. Boy, oh boy. Whoever yeah. thought... This, what I, this is what I cook my chicken at, 375. <laughs> For how long? <laughs> well, it depends on the chicken, but okay. usually 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. A couple pieces of chicken. All
0: right. <laughs> That's good. Um, every, every
1: episode, you're going to have to tell us what you cook at that temperature. Well, I mean, yeah, it's usually 375 <laughs> or 400. I mean, there's no real in between. It's just, it seems like a nice round number.
0: There you go. All right. Well, that's uh, kind of fun. I, I was going to say, who, who'd ever thought we'd be approaching 400 podcasts when we started this, but here we are,
1: and I'm happy about it. Yeah, me too. So Somebody thought it. Maybe I don't know somebody. who. Write in. If you thought that we'd get this far, write in and <laughs> tell us. Yeah, nobody's going to do that.
0: <laughs> so we are here to do our listener feedback for the big season finale of The Walking Dead season eight. But there's a couple of things we have to do before that, Jason. And the first thing is just remind everyone that we are pretty close to the deadline for our, you know, season eight, record your favorite scene contest. So, Uh, You better be thinking about getting those entries in if indeed you are planning on doing that. Now, the deadline is going to be Sunday, April the 22nd at 11.59 p.m. So that's this Sunday. Like, you know, as we're speaking now on uh, Thursday the 19th, we're just a few days away. So hopefully you're listening to this promptly because the deadline is Sunday, the 22nd, and we will be choosing our winner on Monday, April, or announcing the winner on Monday, April the 30th. So uh, you have a few days to get your entries in, and then about a week till we announce the winner. Uh, The idea is you record your favorite scene from any season or any episode of The Walking Dead and send it in, and you can win a nice, big, fancy prize pack. Now, I'm going to play an entry here. This comes from listener Tara, On the internet. And it's about four minutes long, so I'm not going to play the whole thing, but maybe a good half of it here. Uh, And here we go. This is a fun one.
2: Hi, I'm Negan, and I do not appreciate you killing my men. Also, when I sent my people to kill your people for killing my people, you killed more of my people. It's not cool. Not cool. You have no idea idea how not cool that shit is. But I think you're going to be up to speed shortly. You are so going to regret crossing me in a few minutes. Yes, you are. You see, Rick, whatever you do, no matter what, you don't mess with the new world order. And the new world order is this. Even if you're stupid, which you very well may be, you can understand it. You ready? Here it goes. Pay attention. Give me your shit or I'll kill you. (sighs) Today was career day. We invested a lot and you know who I am and what I can do. You work for me now. You have shit. You give it to me. That's your job. Now I know that's a mighty big nasty pill to swallow, but swallow it. You most certainly will.
0: Thank you, Tara, for that. So, Jason, in case you didn't notice, uh, well, and maybe you didn't, but Tara describes that as Negan as a mean girl.
1: Yeah, no, I got the mean girl thing. At the, <laughs> I thought it was great. I think Negan would make a fantastic mean girl. <laughs> well, obviously. By the sense of it.
0: Yeah, obviously, when done by Tara, he certainly does. So thank you so much, Tara, for sending that in. If you want to send an entry in, you can do so by recording it and sending it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, the deadline is just a few days away from right now at 11.59 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday the 22nd. So get those in. All right. Before we get into the feedback, Jason, one last look at the ratings for the season premiere. I guess one last look at the ratings for the season. When we look at the season finale, not premiere, I said premiere finale. You did. And you were you were wrong. I was wrong. Season finale, episode 16, uh, it had 7.92 million. So as the, as far as season eight has been going, that's not too bad. That's pretty good. It's, it's one of the higher rated episodes in, I think it's actually the second highest rated in the back half of season eight, uh, and one of the higher ones for the whole season, but it is the lowest season finale since which one do you think?
1: season
0: four no way man season four was massive five Five, then season one one (laughs) yeah one season one i was right uh right or or something like that no four and five those were huge those were like the 15 16 million seasons uh season one had you know under 7.92 but here we are 7.92 for uh the season finale of season eight so by walking dead standards lately it's pretty good overall not so great uh, but it seems to be the new norm.
1: Ultimately, who gives a shit? And ultimately, who gives a shit? Not you, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, when, like we've we've beaten this dead horse quite for quite some time. That uh, those numbers are have less and less meaning as time goes on. We need uh, more numbers from more sources to have a complete picture of what the hell's happening.
0: Right, but compared to each other, as a trend, you can see yeah. the trend, right? So, oh yeah,
1: yeah. If you're if you're you know using that as your uh, as your benchmark, then, uh, the numbers are in the toilet. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, although it's an improvement, it's an improvement for the season. Well, I mean, there are toilets and then there are toilets, right? That's true. <laughs> you know, there's your run of the mill toilet that, uh, you know, you have in your house and then you have, uh, toilets at like, uh, the airport, which are questionable. Uh, and then you have a toilet that would, that the, the queen mother would be proud to take a dump in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. And that one exists in Buckingham palace, I assume That's That's a Full Metal Jacket reference. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't get it. I'm sorry. That's okay. All right. Let's move into our listener feedback.
3: Listener feedback.
0: Here we go. Our first bit of feedback here is a call from Reese. Hey, Chris and Jason, it's Reese here from the UK. I just wanted to say, man, the best bit about that final episode has to have been when all the
3: bullets misfired. I mean, I literally was sitting there clapping like a seal on the sofa, my wife looking at me like I was an idiot. But it was great. I loved it. And although we didn't really want Eugene to be redeemed, man,
2: if you're going to do it anyway, I mean, blowing the hands off of like 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 people, it's a pretty good way of doing it. Anyway, guys, love the show as always. Can't wait for next season. And um, yeah, see you in the next one.
3: (laughs)
1: <laughs> Reese you brought me to tears. I can just imagine you sitting on the couch going, like a seal. Yeah.
0: As his wife thinks he's a crazy person. Like he said,
1: <laughs> totally going to do that now. All right. Oh my God. Uh, okay. So next we have a call from uh, Tara on the, uh, the savior's blue hair.
2: Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Tara from North Carolina. And I was just calling because after watching the episode of The Walking Dead, I can't figure out how that dude with the blue hair is maintaining his hair this far into the zombie apocalypse. I myself dye my hair. My hair is purple. And that takes a lot of maintenance. Like, who has that kind of time while he's a savior during the zombie apocalypse, that was it. That was my big question. Thanks for the podcast.
0: Thank you, Tara. You may recognize her voice from a few minutes ago in the podcast. But uh, say, Mister Blue Hair Guy, uh, like seriously, what's going on with that guy's blue hair? And who cares about hair dying in the zombie apocalypse?
1: Well, it's not like he has a job, right?
0: <laughs> well, his job is being Negan and dyeing his hair blue. Apparently,
1: yeah, but that can't that can't be a full time gig. That's just got to be like. You know, you're on call all the time for doing shit, but when you're not, when you know, when you're on call, but you're not up for uh, actually driving around and doing stuff, it's not like they're doing their collections or anything. They're all just hanging around, you know, as long as you're doing your hair while your firearm is within arm's reach, you're good. All right. I I guess so. Uh, But he... I mean, he must have gone. Maybe out he only rest- did it the once. Maybe it's not that he's doing it all the time. It's just maybe he did it for this special occasion as well. He did it for
0: the battle. He's like, I'm going to dye my hair blue so no one will see me coming.
1: That's what uh, that's what Braveheart did. We'll see you know, with the blue with the blue paint. Well, they didn't do it all every day. That seems like a you know a colossal waste of time. But uh, you know you do it for the battle. This guy must think he's Braveheart then. I would think so.
0: All right. Well, that explains that. Uh, next up is John in Connecticut. Now, John. I think we had a holy crap from a few days ago and Jason, you asked him to show his work regarding his strong dislike of the season finale. So John did indeed do that. He sent in a long email with many points, uh, but I have pulled a few out here and we'll see if this satisfies you, uh, in terms of, of his feelings. So John writes, the season finale was way too clean, tidy, and perfect Guns exploded when needed. Nobody on Rick's side gets hurt. Seaside shows up unseen in the nick of time and throws Molotov cocktails from what, 25 feet away and nobody saw them? Enid killed their leader, and we're supposed to believe they were swayed by a half-starved Aaron just because he hung around there for a while and gave some stupid speech. No, they would have killed the two of them and be fin- being finished. Eugene was a traitor, hands down. He sided with Negan, and no matter what he did, he should not have been accepted back into the group so easily, if at all. If he had not been taken by Rosita and Daryl, he would have continued on the same path and stayed Negan. And finally, the final battle was just slow and anticlimactic. After all the buildup and hype, it was over in a few minutes, and Negan has Rick dead to rights. Why not end it? The minute Negan went down in another The Walking Dead fakeout, it was like a switch was thrown, and all was instantly fine, and all those bloodthirsty people hell-bent for revenge were friends and all good with each other. So three points there, Jason, kind of outli- outlining what John was talking about when he said the episode was terrible. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I'm satisfied. Good work, John. <laughs> okay. He did his homework, or he- uh, He absolutely did. He reviewed it. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah, and I agree with the Eugene thing, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, a traitor will betray- that's what he does now, right? He's yep. betrayed, you know, he he, uh, he betrayed the, uh, our group of survivors, then he betrayed the saviors. And, well, what's he going to do next? Next opportunity he has to jump ship, he's going to do the same fucking thing. So you're saying that it's sort of
0: expected that he jumps back and forth and they can't really trust him anymore because this is what he does.
1: No, they need to stick him in a hole and, uh, you know, hook, hook up a computer to his brain so that uh, they can just bleed his intellect for... Uh, the common good. Yeah, right.
0: I think it is kind of a good point, though, about him being Negan, and all indications are he would have absolutely just stayed the course and made the proper working bullets had Daryl and Rosita not kidnapped him. Yep. So it it kind of indicates that he, he only did that because he was frightened, again, by them, uh, threatened by them. So why are they so eager or just so willing to take him back in? I mean, I guess they haven't really thought that through.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because of reasons. Well, yeah, (laughs) no, it's a dumb idea for them to, to take him back in. Maybe it's bullshit. Maybe they're just kind of, uh, making him feel at home and they're really going to, you know, lock him up and put a, you know, a restraint on his ankle so he can't get away. Yeah. You know, that being said though, thinking about it, like the
0: idea is now there is no, current threat, right? Like everyone is living happily ever after at this point, I'm sure something else is going to come up, but one of the things Rick is wanting to do is live in a peaceful world and create that peaceful world. So, you know, maybe the first step to that is this kind of forgiveness and maybe Rick isn't really thinking that there's going to be another reason for, um, for Eugene to be, to, to betray them again right? Because he'll betray them when presented with a better offer. Rick probably oh, yeah. Rick probably now thinks there's not going to be a better offer. This is as good as it gets. So it's okay to bring him back in because what could possibly go wrong?
1: Yep. And I've had friends just like that. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I used to have a friend, I won't name him because uh, Bill, you might be listening. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what he would do when we were in, in high school was uh, you'd call him up and see if he wanted to hang out or do something. He's like, well, maybe I'll let you know. And what he do is he collect those offers throughout the day and then take the best one uh, for his uh, entertainment value at whatever given time. So it got annoying after a while and you stop calling him and telling him to that, uh, asking him if he wanted to hang out because, you know, maybe there's a chance he'll get a better offer. Right. And he'll take it.
0: I don't like people that do that. It's like if someone wants to do something with you, either say yes or no, but don't like be wishy-washy for a while and see what happens.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I've also had friends that would just betray you because they were so self-interested. But uh, eventually you learn two things. One, those friends are shitty. Uh-huh. And two, it's not about you. Uh, it's about them having their own self-interest and just simply not caring about you. Right. And so that that's frustrating. So yeah, Eugene is absolutely one of those people. He's just like, he's going to take whatever the best offer is at the time for his uh, understanding of, you know, survival. You know, if he thinks he's going to survive better by betraying you... Then he's absolutely gonna, absolutely gonna do that. If he thinks he's gonna survive better by throwing up on you, he's gonna do that. Yeah, obviously. So don't get too attached to him. is
0: Is the best advice, probably.
1: Ultimately, he's a he's a relatively smart guy. Uh, you know, he's got a, he's got a cool haircut. But uh, there's two things about Eugene. One is he's a shitty person. He like he'll betray you. He'll just do whatever it is in his own self interest. And he's a really big fucking liar like the whole thing about Eugene showing up at the beginning of this uh, when he first showed up was hey we have to go to uh, uh, Washington DC because I was part of a program that was blah 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 right the whole reason for him wanting to survive was this huge friggin lie that he kept going for years Uh, so he is absolutely untrustworthy yeah so I guess take him back
0: in but just don't take him too seriously yeah,
1: but, but only I mean, if he's extremely useful, because he's not extremely useful at the moment. Uh, no, but he's a
0: he's a pretty useful guy, so I can see why they're tempted to keep him around. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: but really, making bullets is not rocket science. Well, it, I certainly wouldn't know how to do it. No, you, no, but there are books and there's equipment that you can get. I mean, there's uh, you go to a library, you can learn how to, you know, rebuild bullets. Like you can't you. you Making the casings is difficult. You shoot them and you get the casing if it still works, and you make the projectile. I mean, I'm sure it's a whole thing, mm-hmm. but it's not. Uh, it's not an unknown quantity. Sure, there are guides to do that. You don't need Eugene to do that. Right. And even now they have, uh, you know, this guide that uh, the people with the cool van uh, gave Maggie. You know, now they have this huge guide. What the fuck did they need Eugene for at all?
0: Really. Well, they have the instructions, but he may have the technical know-how or experience to execute some of these instructions but but not you're likely right. not from a society that he's from yeah maybe not you're you're right i mean instructions are are you know at least fifty percent of the challenge, so you can people can learn things so Eugene yeah. i think is a little yes less useful than he used to be.
1: Yeah, he's better, he really needs to brush up on his nunchuck skills or his <laughs> bow hunting skills. Right. His, uh, his current skill set are not in high demand at the moment. Not so much. What about the
0: idea that the final battle was, was really anticlimactic and Negan sort of going down with a slit neck was a bit of a Walking Dead fake out moment.
1: It was a bit of a fake out moment because in every other TV show or movie that I've ever seen where somebody's throat is slit. Mm-hmm it's a death sentence, right? Yep. It's slit the throat in order to, you know, depict the finality of that character's arc. Essentially. It's like slit the throat, they die. Uh, so yes, it, I guess when look back upon, it does seem like a bit of a fake out moment that you slit his throat, slit his throat or cut his throat and then, uh, say save him. And then, you know, at that moment that he's going to be saved. Uh, Yeah, it's a bit of a fake out. I I feel like maybe in hindsight
0: a little bit, but I didn't feel that at the time, to be quite honest with you. I didn't think to myself, his throat was cut. I mean, I thought when they cut his throat, yeah, I thought he was dead. I thought they were killing off Negan. But then when it was revealed that he wasn't as seriously injured and he was going to survive, I didn't feel that sort of fake out like I did with Glenn thing and a few other things. So... I, it just wasn't as bad, or maybe I've become numb to it a little bit.
1: <laughs> I hope maybe. that's
0: not it. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah. Maybe maybe when uh, Glenn was hit by Lucille, if that was a fake out. Maybe Glenn's still alive. <laughs> right. Maybe he's out kicking there somewhere. He's just—he's too ashamed of his eyeball sticking out of his socket to uh, to show his face again in the group. Maybe he's you know wandering around. He's, a, he's becoming a, a wandering minstrel.
0: <laughs> Him and Heath are out there somewhere, wandering around together. <laughs> they started the band. Yeah, why not?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, next, we have an email from David in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, 250 miles southwest of Alexandria, Virginia. Very cool. Very cool, holy crap! Did you see Morgan's staff strike little Henry and it did not or uh, did not kill or concuss him? That damn staff can kill a walker with a little poke to the head and can render a grown man unconscious with a tap to the noggin, but Henry got a good cold got good cold cock so hard, even Chuck Norris flinched. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but Chuck Norris does not flinch uh but Morgan. But Morgan's all-powerful staff merely knocked Henry down, leaving a slight abrasion that little, a little mercurochrome and a Band-Aid would heal up nicely in a day or two. Even the mighty Casey said, holy crap. So, uh, I, I do think
0: that's interesting. I guess, uh, maybe the, the staff or Morgan's stick didn't directly hit little, uh, Henry. I don't know, but certainly didn't do much damage when it has been seen to do that before. Uh, but two things i had to look up mercurochrome that's like so an anti- did I. it's an antiseptic cream or something like that didn't know what that like, was yeah i guess so i don't know what it is okay and then do you get the reference to mighty casey
1: uh i the only, the only thing i can think of is mighty casey from uh, casey at the bat mighty casey has struck out
0: yeah so it's a poem about baseball and it's also a twilight zone episode where um a guy who runs a baseball team hires a robot pitcher. And, and it's been a long time since I watched that one. So, and I didn't have time to go back and check it out. So I don't even know if David is, is referring to that, but, uh, that did come to mind and me being a, like a giant Twilight Zone fan. I've said that on here before. So I wonder if David was, uh, was getting at that, but anyways, I'm not a hundred percent sure either way.
1: Right. So, uh, Yeah, and the only thing I I think there's, uh, I just, I I take exception to Chuck Norris flinching. I don't (laughs) think that man ever flinched in his life. I mean, Chuck Norris was born in 1940, and uh, a few days later, Hitler died, and that is not a coincidence. Man, he's old, Chuck Norris.
0: He's dead. He's dead?
1: Yeah. Chuck Norris? I had no
0: idea. I had no idea. All right. So he's dead. He's not old. Wow. Well, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, Chuck, he better be dead. (laughs) If he doesn't flinch, maybe he, maybe he's like Morgan. He doesn't die either.
1: Uh, you look that up. Oh shit, he's son- 78 years old. That son of a bitch is still alive. I was pretty sure, but I believed you there, so. Oh my God. Okay, Chuck Norris is immortal then. That, that's the only explanation. Well,
0: I, I would agree with you if he was like 150, but he's only 78. <laughs> so we'll find out in a few years if he's immortal. Yeah, okay. We might be going that way.
1: <laughs> well, there's that whole Chuck Norris meme. Right, yeah, so anyway,
0: all right, I like the, I like the name. next one is a call from Georgia.
4: hey Chris and Jason. this is Georgia from Melbourne, Australia, uh even though I live in New York right now,, <laughs> um, but I just wanted to give my feedback for wrath. I haven't even actually watched the whole episode yet, but I literally just watched the first um scene with Sadiq and Rick and Sadiq talking about uh how Carl died and I just want to give mention and props to the actor Avi Nash who played Sadiq because even though I think that the dialogue he was saying was a bit sappy I think um Avi did an amazing job I think this was like in my opinion, some of the best acting um, we've seen in a while on this show. Um, maybe that has to just do with him being a new character. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was really, like, overwhelmed with what was happening and he obviously has a lot of grief for the fact that, I guess, he feels responsible for Carl's death. But, wow, I just, like, the hold back of his, his tears and emotion, I just thought was really awesome and I think uh Andy Lincoln did a really good job of of listening to in that scene and um yeah hopefully the episode uh keeps going as well as <laughs> uh the first like five minutes have been um because yeah that was really good okay thanks guys <laughs> see you
0: thank you Georgia so I agree Nash has you know played a, a a small but important role on the show since he was introduced as Sadiq. And I really, really agree that he's been fantastic. He's been one of my favorite actors to watch on screen in the limited screen time he's had since he's been introduced.
1: Yeah, I agree. He's, uh, I think he's, he's, uh, he's solid and I'm looking forward to his character being even larger next season.
0: Me too. I hope Sadiq sticks around for a long time on the show because I'm really enjoying him so far, but you know, they've killed a lot of doctors. So, uh, that's sort of a rough <laughs> track record for him to come onto. but uh i do hope he sticks around and it's really good and just regards to Andrew Lincoln standing there in that scene Georgia said he did a really good job listening which you know Andrew Lincoln that guy does amazing work with his eyeballs yep. while he's standing there just listening doing apparently nothing he's still acting his his ass off so
1: yeah he can listen the shit out of stuff
0: he really really can he's one of the best listening actors i've ever seen so uh no surprise no surprise there
1: all right, next we have an email from Tommy in Scotland. Holy crap, did you see the emotion on both Rick and Negan's faces during their confrontation under the stained glass tree? To witness a character like Negan reduced to tears was quite jarring. He legitimately looked heartbroken, and I genuinely felt, it felt for him at that moment. Uh, Rick's face told the story of a man feeling a thousand different emotions all at once. Both Andrew Lincoln and Jeffrey Dean Morgan deserve a huge amount of credit for this scene. Great actors, great episode. Great show!
0: Well, there you go. Just more praise for some of the acting on the show. In this case, including JDM and uh, you know Tommy from Scotland. I I just wanted to throw that in there also, just because he was so positive on it. And uh, while a lot of people liked this season finale in this episode, a lot, a, many people sort of had a lot of. Uh, like caveats to their their liking of it almost you know it was really good except for or i really liked it but you know and that was just plain up great acting great episode great show right and that's good stuff all right uh next up is another call from marius or Mariush. i don't know in oslo but living in dublin
3: hi guys um long time listener first time caller um just uh, been rewatching uh, the whole series from uh, from beginning beginning to end, and um, I notice a little something now in light of the uh, previous episode at the end of uh, end of All Out War. People have been talking about the evil Rick and you know things he's been doing and uh, comparing comparing him to Negan and stuff. And after watching episode ten of episode two. I just realized that the Rick that we've known ever since probably the end of season two when he kills Shane is basically his response to how Shane wanted to tackle the situation. He wanted Rick to stop taking time, asking questions, deciding who to kill and when, taking time to decide if he wanted to kill Randall and stuff like that. He basically said the world needed him to be this killer who will stop at nothing to protect Lori and Carl. And it has taken Rick from the moment he killed Shane until him reading Carl's letter. So everything we've seen so far has been a version of what would happen if Shane had lived, basically. Kind of puts the whole Rick situation in a new light. So I'm looking forward to continue watching, watching the series now with that in mind. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the podcast. Can't, can't wait to see fucking, sorry. Can't wait to see Maggie Corleone in season nine. Thank you.
0: Maggie Corleone in season nine. (laughs)
1: Fucking Maggie Corleone. There you go.
0: That's good. Uh, what do you think about this idea that, um, Rick has taken, you know, seven seasons or six seasons since, uh, since Shane died to almost become like Shane in a way until, you know, until the point he reads Carl's letter, uh, Shane was the was the kind of guy who who didn't want to take any chances. He wanted to kill everybody. I mean, I mean, not everybody, but he certainly wasn't against killing someone when there was any possibility of a threat from them. And here we are yeah. with Rick more or less doing the same thing until sort of the very end of this episode.
1: Yeah. So Shane's philosophy was when in doubt, kill them or sleep with them right <laughs> yeah when in doubt Andrea kills- and uh uh what's her name Lori? Lori, yeah. yeah so yeah when uh when all else fails uh if you can sleep with them if you can't kill them i suppose <laughs> so rick really he hasn't really taken on that philosophy yet but he kind of has well right? i i don't know he 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 was briefly there
0: with um Oh, Alexandra Breckenridge. I can't remember her character's name in Alexandria. Yeah. Remember, and now yeah. he's with Michonne. So that's true. I mean, he's getting around a little bit, but not not like Shane. I don't think.
1: Yeah. No. I I agree, I agree that it, that's a very interesting uh, uh, way to look at it. Was uh, is that he's basically up until he reads the letter, uh, he's basically Shane now. I
0: do think though that that is that sort of concept for the show is going to come to an end or has come to an end with the end of season eight now right we mentioned that gimple said that the season eight finale is in a way a finale for the entire eight seasons and we're going to start with something a little different in uh in the beginning of season nine so i think rick's evolution of a character of rick's the character evolution of rick isn't over but sort of this chapter of it might be over if you know what i mean right He became like Shane, and now we're going to move on to something else or explore different aspects of his personality, maybe.
1: Right. So instead of having flashbacks, like on Lost, when instead of having flashbacks, everything will be a flash forward. (laughs) <laughs> well, we don't have
0: flashbacks on this show, really. No, very but they're much.
1: they're gonna switch things up, so that everything's like, oh my god, what are they doing now? And then all then all of a sudden, we had some kind of weird flash sideways for the last season, right? But uh, yeah, then you know, shaking things up, so you know, the next season might start with everybody standing around Rick's grave. Be like, holy shit! Can't and then uh, that'll be the flashback, and then or the flash forward, and then we'll uh, we'll get the lead up to that.
0: Yeah. Well, probably not. But I do think it's an interesting question about what is the show going to be like in season nine. Now that they've kind of said that it will be different, uh, and it might, you know, require some some more thought and more discussion. But you know, how much can they
1: really change? Uh, well, my vote is that uh, my vote and prediction is that somebody's going to start. Uh, asserting themselves as the uh the you know the reestablishment of the US government and how that plays out on our on our group right you know cuz how do you you know how do you uh how do you fight the US government <laughs> you try not to probably <laughs> yeah probably try not to uh but you know what if you disagree with them or what if you don't believe them sure or there's all there's all kinds of things that can happen there so that's what i think is going to happen is uh, and instead of just fighting rivals, which is what they've done, they've either been fighting the dead or fighting rivals for survival uh, in the last eight seasons. The only thing that to fight is uh, society rearing its ugly head again. Sure,
0: I mean the show could be become could become more, much more about reestablishing. A society that they sort of knew before. Right. That takes a lot of people and takes a lot of safety and time and so on, but it's never really been about that. It's just been about survival up to this point. So maybe they are sort of going to, uh, you know, put survival aside and go on the assumption that, all right, we're, we're good to go now. So now we're going to have to start. Yeah. Reestablishing some of the features of society that we had before. That makes sense. That's probably it actually. And if Georgie's group is as big as we think it might be, maybe that's where it starts. It could be, you know.
1: You know, maybe they're starting a country. You want to join our country? That'd be nice. Yeah. Sure All would. Right. All right, next we have a, uh, an email from uh Amin, Amin? I I Amin? would say Amin. Yeah. Amin yeah. in Tunisia. My issue with the finality is there wasn't any major deaths. It was not like I wanted people to die, except maybe Eugene, Negan, Gabriel, Rosita, Dwight. Oh, who am I kidding? I wanted a lot of people dead, but that's not the issue here. The real issue is that the cast is already too big, but with the conclusion of the war, with no major deaths, it's probably getting bigger as we move into the next story arc. Don't you think the cast is getting way too big? Should they be? Should they have killed some people in the finale? And if so, who should have died? Well... I have gone back
0: and forth on thinking the cast is just too big for a long time now because it does feel like there is an awful lot of characters on this show and not enough time to spread amongst all of them. So uh, that's when we we go for weeks without really seeing any Maggie doing anything. That's not really true late, but last year it sort of felt true. Yeah. Jesus,
1: uh, we haven't seen Jesus in a while. He's the example this
0: year. He was in like he had like probably less than two minutes of screen time in eight episodes in the back half of this season. So in a way it does feel like it's definitely a little bit too big, but on the other hand, I sort of have come to terms with the fact that this is a show with a very large cast and it in a way needs it because you are trying to, as a survivor in the zombie apocalypse, surround yourself with other people. So you are going to do that. And that just means there will be people around. Um, they might be able to focus on a smaller group of the bigger, uh, total number of people, but, uh, I don't know. They just can't seem to do that. And maybe in a way they are, they think that, you know, 20 primary characters is out of, out of a few hundred is, is a small group. So, um, yeah, I don't know who should have died in the finale. Uh, I think a lot of people would have argued Negan, maybe, Negan. maybe Eugene, uh, Gabriel, a lot of the people that you listed, I would say, um,
1: other than that, I don't know who should have died. Not Rosita and not Dwight. No. I mean, Dwight might be gone, right? Is that good enough? Like he, we may never see Dwight again.
0: Um, I'd be highly surprised, but as far as we know right now, he is, he's been asked to leave and never come back. So you're right. He may be gone. I don't think so though. Uh, that note he, that Sherry left for him there with the infinity sign has gotta mean something.
1: Yeah, he's he's gone for infinity. That's what it means.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure, but you're you're right. He could be he could be off the show for a while. For example, right, and then he'll show up out of nowhere at the end of season nine and be like, "So guys, I have this big news," and then that'll be a cliffhanger, right? <laughs> the big news cliffhanger, right? That's what we all are looking for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, Carlos in Tijuana, Mexico wrote in. Overall, I enjoyed the season finale, but was a bit disappointed in the resolution of All Out War. You guys discussed this last week, how I think the show's writing continues to be a 180-degree reaction to the Negan killing Glenn and Abe episode. So many great opportunities for, quote-unquote, end-of-the-world-type violence wasted. Two Lucille-bashing opportunities with Simon and Gabe, Daryl and Dwight, and obviously Rick versus Negan, all of these ending in safe passive outcomes, no more surprising, unexpected, or violent deaths,
1: yeah, that light doesn't shine on it in a it's not a good light no to shine on it and
0: and I mean it is a good point, kind of not that I want to see people getting bashed with Lucille every episode uh but It feels like he carries that bat around an awful lot and doesn't really use it or uses it to, you know, butt end people in the gut or someone else gets it and tries to swing at him and misses or, you know, whatever. So you would think that he might be bashing people with it a little bit more often. And is the show doing that on purpose because people didn't like seeing their favorite characters get bashed in the head? Well, can you blame them? Not really. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Uh, we don't even know what the status of the the bat is right now anyways, and it may not even be on the show for some time until Negan inevitably breaks out of jail.
1: <laughs> no, they got to burn the bat. They can't leave the bat as a, as something that Negan can get his hands on again. Right. They got it. They got to get rid of it. They have to destroy it.
0: I would agree with that. I think it has to be destroyed. Uh, but this is a TV show and the owner of the bat is not dead yet. So I have a feeling the
1: bat won't die. Until the owner dies. Right. So it has a plot device shield on it. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Jason in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Jason writes, the season finale might have done it for me. In particular, the gunfight, in quotes, which I have called the battle of the stained glass, battle at stained glass. Perhaps I missed something, but this is what I've gathered happened in this battle. Bad guys show up. Bad guys try to shoot. All their guns break. Good guys start shooting. Good guys shoot some more. Good guys, shoot some more. Laura and the remaining saviors, still standing at the top of the hill, decide to surrender. That was not a battle. That was a slaughter. Rick, who minutes later decides to take mercy on Negan, the mastermind behind the plan to wipe them out, has zero compassion for the unarmed people who follow Negan. Uh, With as long as the gunfire lasted, there should have been nothing but piles upon piles of unarmed dead saviors. Letting Negan live only makes sense when you realize this is a TV show and he is a, is a main character. Otherwise, it makes zero sense in the actual narrative, especially after murdering the majority of the unarmed survivors or saviors. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I mean, Rick has murdered a lot of people. He does show mercy in this final battle, uh, except for I think Jason is basically just saying that when all their guns exploded, it left them. Some of them dead, some of them horribly injured, and there was a fair bit of shooting by Rick and his team, and you'd think that they would have just mowed down everybody because they have no way to defend themselves or shoot back. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, it is up to to the people fighting in the battle to surrender, right? But if they don't have the time to surrender, does that make it okay to kill them? Even though they're unarmed at that time and injured? Yeah, no, I
0: mean, I'm just saying, like, there was a lot of shooting back before they surrendered, yet a lot of them seemed to survive. Yeah. so
1: I mean, with hand injuries, face injuries, I'm sure there's other people lying on the ground moaning in pain.
0: Well, that's that's very true. (laughs) And Sadiq probably has a lot of work ahead of him for the next few days.
1: Yeah, he's going to be stitching up faces for a couple of weeks.
0: Faces and, and hands, man. All right. Uh, thank you, Jason, for that. Cindy in Columbus, Ohio writes, I don't understand what they are going to do with Negan next season. I know in the comic they keep him alive in a jail cell. So is that what we are going to see? JDM in a jail cell? I don't get it. That would be a waste of his talent and time. Very interesting point, actually. It's one thing in a comic book to put a character in jail and let him sit there for a while. In a TV show, there's so much more money involved and things like that that you have a high profile actor like Jeffrey D. Morgan sitting in a jail cell and that's all we see him of him, or we only see him like once every seven or eight episodes for a scene just to to make sure he's still there and doing okay. That doesn't seem to make any sense either.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe he could shoot all of his scenes in the first day of shooting and then let him go on vacation somewhere for a while.
0: He could, but that's just a scheduling thing. Like, you know, Jeffrey D. Morgan probably wants to be a bigger part of the show and not just shoot one day and then move on until eight months later and then shoot another day. I I don't know.
1: Maybe it's in his contract. I mean, maybe he only signed up for two seasons and uh, was willing to do two seasons and a smattering of scenes after that, because they knew what the uh, Negan's story arc was going to be based on the comics. So they're, they're, when they signed him up, they said, look, you're going to play this character, and he only has a certain lifespan. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to sign you up for two seasons. You're going to be a big part of those two seasons. Uh, but after that, we only got a few scenes for you, so... You know, plan accordingly.
0: Right. You better be on board for that kind of schedule. Yeah. You know, and you could be right, but at the other end of things, I have a feeling that uh, maybe Negan won't end up in that jail cell for quite as long as we think, and that could be a departure from the comics, um, or or they just structure time a little more interestingly on the show, and he he's sort of back on his feet. Sooner than we think.
1: Right. So, you know, the cold open of the next season is them doing blotty, blotty, blot, whatever. They're just, you know, continuing continuing on from where we are now. And then uh, right after the credits, uh, we get two years later. Uh-huh. A sign that says two years later, and Negan's friggin' ho in a row.
0: Like we saw in uh, Carl's Vision,
1: right? That's right. So he's uh, he's doing something, or... Uh, on the flip side, Negan talks his way out of the jail cell somehow. <laughs> he uh, befriends whoever his uh, jailer is and brings him his food and takes out his commode uh, and talks his way into, you know, making everybody think that he's a, a productive member of society and that he's reformed his ways. And, uh, now he's a good guy and he's like, Rick, you were right all along. I was wrong. You're not the reason your son is dead. The reason your son is dead is because damn it, we live in a shitty world. Uh-huh. And, uh, that I want to help make that shitty world a little bit better. Will you let me help? And Rick says, of course I will. Come on out. Here's a ho, ho a row.
0: There you <laughs> guy. (laughs) Mr. Negan. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see what happens, but I do think it's just an interesting thing to think about that Jeffrey D Morgan, big name actor, not going to be sitting in a cell having like one scene here and there. Uh, you wouldn't think so. We'll we'll see what they do.
1: Maybe he's in a movie. There's a movie with the rampage. Yeah. He's in this giant
0: monster movie right now.
1: Yeah, is it in a giant monster movie. Maybe this is the, the, the perfect stepping stone that he was looking for, and now he's going to be playing Negan in all these movies, because <laughs> that's what that character looks like. Yeah,
0: he did say that Negan influenced his character in that movie. Someone asked him about that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. So there's a little bit of Negan. Like, once you play Negan, I think there's a little bit of Negan in you for the rest of your
1: life. Right. Right? And and, and once you become uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you pretty much got to be, you know, the Rock forever. He'll, He'll always be the rock to me. Of course he
0: will. I mean, and that guy he he's in uh he's in Rampage, right? And yeah, and that's later, why I'm talking about Yeah, him. sorry. And later this summer he's in a movie called Skyscraper, which kind of looks like another giant like urban destruction, huge super power movie, superhero movie, but not superheroes.
1: <laughs> Did you see the new Jumanji movie yet? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny.
1: The- it was funny. He was good in that. I thought it was great. He was always commenting about his arms.
0: Yeah, he was... Everyone I thought was pretty funny in that movie. It, was, it wasn't It was bad. Yeah.
1: All right, so we got to move on. Stop talking about The Rock. Um, okay, we have a call from uh, Christian regarding uh, Rick cutting Negan's throat.
5: Hello, Chris and Jason. This is Christian from Spokane. Am I the only one disappointed with the resolution of the episode last night? Rick slits Negan's throat, and Negan survives. And we're supposed to believe that this is an act of mercy. My mercy prevails over my wrath, is what Rick says. What that tells me is that Rick calculated the slitting of Negan's throat. He knew how to cut Negan at the right depth, with the right angle, and that he knew Sadiq was going to be skilled enough, as a med student to bring Negan all the way down to proper care and save his life. That's what the show was going for. The problem with that is that it's inconsistent. Jason has said on the podcast many times that all he wants from his television is for shows to be internally consistent to their own rules. We've seen on The Walking Dead many times that when you get your your throat slit, you die. It's a death sentence. Nobody comes back from that. But last night, Rick calculated the slitting of the throat as something that negan could survive his mercy didn't prevail his good luck did what do you guys think
0: well christian i think that i think that when rick said his mercy prevails over his wrath he was more referring to his decision to let negan live but i can see what you mean by slitting someone's throat you, you aren't deciding to let them live you're deciding to kill them and then they yep. happen to live so uh so you feel like you're you're having mercy on them is there any way in a million years that somebody in that position holding a broken piece of glass and going to swipe at someone's neck can do it in such a way on purpose so as to incapacitate the person but not kill them not really
1: only oh the the answer to that unfortunately is only on t v yeah <laughs> i uh what do i think i think christian, you're a genius uh and you're absolutely right Rick his mercy did not prevail over his wrath, his wrath won out, and afterwards he had mercy on uh you know he decided to try and let him live uh it it's a hollow a hollow victory. Uh Rick, yeah,
0: I mean, would it have made more sense if Rick just bested Negan in a fist fight and punched him enough that he you know was unconscious or had his face and jaw broken, so he you know was in too much pain to fight back? That probably would have made more sense,
1: yeah, so. The only thing I can akin this to is uh, you've been to a casino, right? You've uh, you've walked into a casino and played uh, slots. I've never been in a casino. You've never okay. Well, just going to move on from that and uh, come back to that later.
0: I've been around casinos. I've been outside casinos. Uh, I've looked through the door into a casino, but I've never gone into a casino or and, and played any games or anything like that. No.
1: Okay, so you're aware that casinos exist, and inside these casinos, there are games called slot machines. Yeah, I'm I am aware of all those things. <laughs> all right, so this is good enough for me for now. All right, we'll come back to what the hell later. Okay. Uh, so you've been into uh, okay, no, nope, getting back on off track here. So you're at a casino and you're pulling the lever on the slot machine, and you're say uh, down by a couple of hundred bucks, and you're like, man, I got to get out of here because this is costing me money. Sure, I've had a good time. But, uh, you know, I want to make my money back. So what you do is on the next spin of the dial, you put in a couple of hundred bucks, another couple of hundred bucks, and you pull the lever and you win. And then you go, hey, I won. That's fantastic. That does not make the pulling of that last lever a good idea. It just makes it a lucky idea. So Rick slicing Negan's throat... Uh, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to kill him. And then afterwards he was thinking, okay, uh, I'm going to let him live. Now that I've, uh, expanded, you know, I've, uh, not expanded, but I've, uh, let my wrath go and I tried to kill him, but he happened to survive that. So I'm going to let him survive. Uh, that doesn't make it mercy that, right. uh, that makes it, uh, something else. It's, it's like mercy after the fact when it's already too late because you just tried to kill him. That's not mercy. (laughs) That's trying to kill him and failing and then going, oh shit, maybe I should let him live. And now you think you're a good guy. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that, I mean, that, that
0: makes a lot of sense sort of when you put it that way and, and what Christian had to say. It's, it's, I would say maybe it's a little, it's too little too late. Um, but it. But I don't even know about that. It's just kind of. It's it's
1: too late to call it mercy. Yeah. Right. You've already slit his throat. You tried to kill him. (laughs) Uh, You're not having mercy on him. You're letting him survive after the fact because he was lucky enough not to die by your wrath. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Rick isn't as merciful a guy as as we might think.
1: Yeah. Okay. Maybe he thinks he is. Yeah, well, he's wrong.
0: Maybe that's all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. uh, Let's move on. Our next email comes from a listener in the Netherlands whose name I have looked up before, but I sadly cannot remember the proper pronunciation. It's um, Thies, maybe, in the Netherlands. I apologize. I'll do better next time. Uh, but listener writes, I have witnessed firsthand what happens when you cut the arteries in the neck. And trust me, Rick did not cut the arteries in Negan's neck due to the large size of the arteries and a considerable pressure. You can lose most of your blood in your body in seconds. When you cut the arteries in the neck, it is a fountain. Literally imagine dropping a big bottle of soda on the kitchen floor and breaking it like that, but running longer. So it was mostly the skin being cut with a little extra blood for dramatic effect, probably additional damage to the organs there, like the vocal cords and windpipe.
1: Okay. Uh, Horrifying uh, witnessing anything like that firsthand. Yep. Uh, First of all, but good information. And uh, yeah, if vegans you know, if there's a a big artery and a big vein in there, if they were cut, he would totally be screwed. Well, read the next one here and uh, we'll get a little more info on this. All right. Next, we have an email from Dr. Chris in Toronto. Hi. It's your neighborhood medical consultant here writing back about the slash to Negan's throat. The main large vessels in the neck that would be life-threatening if cut are the jugular veins and the carotid arteries. Both are relatively superficial in the neck. When you put your fingers on the neck and feel the pulse, that's your carotid artery. That being said... A neck wound is certainly survivable, but there are probably a few factors affecting survivability, including the size of the weapon, the angle of the stab, and the depth of the stab. I'm sure it comes to no surprise to you that if the vessels aren't cut, uh, sure, he can survive, just suture up the skin. If the vessels are cut, then it's still survivable in in the modern world if he stops or slows the bleeding and gets access to a trauma trauma surgeon, ASAP. In my professional opinion, if Negan's vessels were cut, Sadiq, as a second year emergency resident physician would not possess the skills necessary to repair a lacerated major vessel. The only thing that he could do would be to tie off the bleeding vessel and hope for the best.
0: Right. So we just have to take this as being meaning that neither of the major arteries in the neck in Negan's neck were cut, otherwise he'd be dead for sure.
1: So it's just a flesh wound.
0: It's just a skin wound pretty much. And, uh, he's super lucky or Nick, Nick, Rick is super accurate with his, uh, broken glass skills.
1: So and if he did cut the carotid artery or the jugular vein, the only thing you could do is uh, take off your belt, try a tourniquet around his neck as tight <laughs> as you can, and hope for the best. <laughs> and hope for the best. What could possibly go wrong there? So well, you got you got to tie it off, right? I mean, you know, uh, a tourniquet's not the best best thing to do in a in a, an ideal situation, but uh, every once in a while it saves lives. Usually it causes a lot of damage, but uh, every once in a while it can save lives. So if you got a you know a neck wound. You got to tie that shit off. You do. But, uh, <laughs> tourniquets aren't meant for the neck. I think they're meant for the extremities more than anything, but, you yeah. know. And this is why we consider a neck wound, like, like a slashing of somebody's throat, an instant death sentence. So deadly. Yeah, that's right. Because, uh, we do have, I, you know, why our head, our brains are stuck in this external head thing on top of our, uh, on, on top of our bodies, uh, held up by this. This crazy contraption <laughs> called our neck, which we have to eat through, breathe through, and get a whole lot of blood through. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why aren't I, our brains in the center of our rib cage? Right. I- nice and protected, right next to our testicles. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's Don't where- even get me started on the testicle <laughs> location. <laughs> you know, everything needs to be inside that friggin' armored... A bone cavity called the rib cage.
0: Imagine people would look a lot different if that was the case, because your your torso would be huge, full of brain and testicles and heart I'm and lungs. I'm fine with
1: that. It's not like I would know the difference at that point. It'd be just like, okay, yeah, he's a walking blob. I'm a walking blob. She's a walking blob. We're all walking blobs. That's fine. Yeah, we can all you be- know, even little eye stalks sticking out of the top of our chests so we can see,
0: right? <laughs> That's I, fine too. I guess technically the eyes are less important than the brain and the testicles. I don't know about that, but definitely <laughs> the brain. Uh, so there you go. Um.
1: And you eat through a whole, you know, a, a mouth that's located in the center of your chest, right next to your stomach and brain and testicles. <laughs> you know, sure, it's complete rearrangement of the bodily body, but... Yeah, this whole brain on top of her body, you know, supported by her neck thing, doesn't make any sense to me.
0: You know, it is better for poking around corners to check if there's danger, though.
1: Yeah, but that's how you get your head blown off as well, right? Well,
0: I suppose. But if you have to poke your torso around a corner, it's a little harder.
1: <laughs> well, that's why you have to have eye stocks. So, you know, you shoot the eye like, shit, that hurt. I'm going to have to get a new eye stock now. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the eye stock store and pick up an eyeball. Yeah.
5: Uh,
0: all right. Uh, where are we? Anna in Wales wrote in, Ugh, I'm so disappointed with the finale. It was far too easy to beat the Saviors. Really, no one fired their gun before the battle to kill a walker or anything. Negan trusted Eugene so much, he didn't randomly test any bullets. Even after he found out two of his closest men had double-crossed him last week, or like the day before, so Unbelievable. Then suddenly the saviors surrender and everybody is living happily together without any friction, no talks, no treaties or peace agreements. Seriously, there's bound to be some savior dissenters who are pissed off at the number of people Rick's people killed. There's dissent within the hilltop with uh, Maggie plotting to kill Negan and she's on Rick's side. All too easy. I am not impressed.
1: Yeah. A lot of things had to go right for that uh, Eugene Gambit to work uh absolutely it's a lot of sort of unbelievable
0: things but yet i should say i kind of believe it
1: you know it- well he he also said that he did it without uh his companions knowing mm-hmm. right he was the only one at that bullet factory that knew that the bullets were fake
0: that's true but that sort of makes it worse because you're telling me that like one of those other people didn't walk outside and try to fire a bullet and it exploded in their hands, uh, you know, or maybe they did and they just figured they got one of the duds or something. Or hey, maybe other people in the bullet factory were on board and we didn't. No, really but see he that.
1: said that they weren't. This was a this was a, a line of dialogue. Oh that right, he was the only one that uh, that knew. Uh, because he was the quality inspector or he had some job that was critically important that he was the only one. Everybody thought they were making, uh, good bullets, but Eugene was the only one that didn't.
0: Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. So there's not a lot to
1: explain it and we just kind of have to, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, go with it. I hope I'm not, I'm hoping not stepping on, like I only read, uh, little inside baseball here. I only read the emails, uh, pre-read the emails that uh, that I read on the show. I don't pre-read the ones that you read. So I may be jumping on somebody's shit here. But uh, even the, the, now that I think about it, the mechanism for uh, the bullets that Eugene fucked up, that he made uh, uh, lethal, wa- is a little bit suspect. I mean, making a bullet that does not fire is a hell of a lot easier than making a bullet that explodes without a projectile moving forward. Okay. Because in order to explode those guns, the way that, uh, the way that they did meant that the bullet had to completely, uh, explode within the, the chamber. Right. Yep. Uh, and no projectile went forward. So that can happen, but that bullet's got to be royally messed up in order for that to happen. It's more likely that it's going to, uh, it's not going to fire at all or it's going to fire improperly uh but how did he sabotage all of these bullets so that they would all do this exact same thing uh as in completely explode within the chamber so he had to force the uh uh force the round to not discharge from the casing with all the uh the gunpowder in there so the gunpowder would explode uh without the the projectile moving at all yeah So, and how did he do that? Did he glue them
0: in? Did he like... Who knows? I have no idea how he did it, but the point is that he was able to train the other people to do it the same way without them realizing anything was wrong.
1: Yeah. So... So it's much more likely that he would make bullets that just did not fire. Yeah. Right? Which wouldn't... Which would have helped, not quite as effective
0: because it doesn't incapacitate everyone holding those guns, but at least, you know, nobody gets,
1: uh nobody gets shot at in that moment. Yeah. So I don't know. So I'm a little, I'm a little bit disbelieving of uh, what Eugene did.
0: Yeah, I am too. However, I also think it was fun and entertaining to watch and kind of an exciting moment. So I, I give it a little bit of a pass for that reason. I think anyways,
1: I don't, uh, not anymore, anyway. I kind of did when we reviewed the episode, and I didn't think about it until now. But uh, You've talked
0: yourself out of it. <laughs> I'm calling
1: bullshit right now. <laughs> All right. The then. Bullshit button there. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Here we go. shit! I call Simon, calls bullshit. The next email, which is yours, is on the same topic here. Yeah. All right. The email's from Brandon in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I think the whole bullet gimmick was pretty stupid. Didn't Eugene get the idea at the last minute? How did he convince everyone to switch methods to do it wrong, and where did the original good bullets go and are we to expect none of the uh, saviors inspected or tested these bullets, and what would have happened if they ran into zombies or others along the way? wouldn't that blow the whole blow up the whole thing yeah, so a lot of, a lot of questions there
0: uh, yeah. with not a lot of good answers, but what we've
1: already sort of talked about
0: um, he's he's right I mean we conveniently didn't really see the saviors arrive at that location or too much traveling through that location and run into any zombies that they had to shoot.
1: Yeah. But to be fair about the testing of the bullets, um, I remember when I was in uh, basic training and, uh, we were given live rounds. I didn't test them. Yeah. True. <laughs> until I was, uh, <laughs> shooting at targets on the range. Right. Right. I was given the bullets and I treated them as, you know, deadly things. Uh, and I only fired them when I absolutely needed to. Yeah. And the other thing is that
0: it was really hammered home on the episode that they had very little time to do what they were doing. And you and I are in software development. What's the first thing that goes out the window when you don't have enough time? Testing. Quality. <laughs> and quality, right? Yeah. So it's- Oddly enough, it's not features. <laughs> no, it's it's that's right. It's not features. It's everything else. Um so I can sort of believe that they didn't take the time to test the bullets. They just had to slam them together as fast as they could and yeah. Eugene used this to his advantage, knowing that they wouldn't have time to test them, but he did make some good ones to hand to Negan and that's you know that was a gamble, but I guess he figured that's all it would take to convince Negan that they were good to go.
1: Yeah. And uh Brandon also says what happens to the uh, the good bullets? I mean, they were making good bullets for a while there. Where
0: are they? I I don't know. Conveniently uh, thrown in the garbage in the dumpster behind the bullet factory. So you
1: took apart the good bullets to make bad bullets?
0: Or Eugene walked in and was like, guys, we've been doing this all wrong. We got to start over. So take those apart and here, do it this way now.
1: Yeah. It's crazy.
0: It's a and, bit doc- crazy.
1: and documentation. Documentation goes out the window when uh, time is of, of of the essence. Oh, out the window! Moment. Like if if you were even going to do it to begin with, it's yeah. one of the first things to go. Well, there's always a plan, <laughs> right? It's like oh my god, we got to document this because eighty percent of maintenance of software is done by someone other than the original developer, right? So you have to properly document the uh, the development so in order to pass it along sure but most of the time the attitude <laughs> fuck is that. fuck those guys <laughs> yeah and then you write really shitty code that nobody can follow and you're looking at it going what <laughs> what the hell were they thinking i've never looked at somebody else's code and didn't wonder if they were sane
0: yeah i know i've never i've never looked at somebody else's code and didn't think to myself i just want to start this over <laughs> You know, this is,
1: this is bullshit. That's the I way. I need goes. to start it over. Yeah. All right. What the hell's going on here? Okay. Uh, we're talking about a podcast. No, we're talking about a TV show. Okay. Yeah. And it's me. And
0: it's Dan in North Plainfield, New Jersey, with the next email. Dan writes, despite the crazy self-accelerating and super explosive Molotov cocktails and other things like that, I enjoyed the episode right up until the ominous Maggie conspiracy scene. Like you, I wondered what the hell Jesus was doing there, and while some conflict about the fate of Negan makes sense, I'm concerned that it will be handled in lazy, viewer-intelligence-insulting ways by the writers. Jesus inexplicably being there uh, sets a worrying tone for how this conflict will be handled. Random character behavior does not make for good
1: writing. Yeah, uh, I'm afraid, Dan, that they're going to, whatever they do, it's going to be uh, viewer intelligence insulting ways.
0: Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that too, to be honest. And thinking back, I just don't know that they've handled Jesus as a character very well lately, uh, which hasn't always been the case. He was really entertaining when he first came on, and I really enjoyed some of the early cur- character development with him. Um, You know, there was that moment, remember, when he was having a bit of a heart-to-heart with Maggie, I think, and he admitted to her that he's gay and he had a a boyfriend pre-apocalypse and stuff like that. There's been some, some interesting character stuff with him, but suddenly he disappears and they're assigning him these personality traits that feel a little bit random, so... And, and and now they're kind of flip-flopping on him right here, right now. Maybe they're figuring, you know, a big break between seasons. People will forget about that. But I know you and I won't. And I know no. most of our listeners won't. So we will be very critical of whatever they do with him when, uh, when, when season nine starts.
1: Yeah. We need Jesus to do Jesus things. And what I mean by Jesus things is ninja things. Of course. Ninja Jesus is what people call him. Ninja Jesus is the best Jesus. It really is. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Can't disagree with that. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Jared in Utah. Jared writes, I have over 21 years in federal law enforcement, and I've learned a long time ago to ignore all of the incorrect things TV and movies show when it comes to gun law enforcement tactics, etc. I watch TV and movies to be entertained, not for reality. But come on man I'm sure most people have heard the of the of the Thin Blue Line the same concept applies to military units who see combat together there is a bond between people who put their life on the line for each other and that most people can never understand they become more than family What Rick, Michonne, Maggie, Daryl, and even Jesus have been through together, it would make the Thin Blue Line look like a joke. They have literally experienced uh, life and death over and over together, killing together, seeing loved ones killed, saving each other. Now they expect me to buy this load of bullshit. Let's start with the easiest one, Jesus. Jesus. They literally just had him trying to convince crazy Morgan not to kill people. And now we're supposed to believe that he's somehow part of a conspiracy to overthrow Rick because Rick didn't kill Negan. Daryl has been Rick's bros since the very beginning, beginning. Even if he disagreed with the decision, conspiring behind his back is not uh, Daryl's MO. He would deal with it head on. And I think that's a really
0: interest great point by Jared too. You know, I, I I sort of said I can kind of understand Daryl being in there. He just wants revenge. He wants to get back at him. Uh, but I I do think Daryl wouldn't do it this way. Now that Jared points that out, he would just try to kill Negan up and up, straight up, or he would confront Rick about it. Uh, they had a fist yeah. fight earlier this season. Remember when they didn't get along?
1: And yeah, that was right right after the uh, the penis machine gun. that's right yeah
0: exactly but but and it was it was right after or it was around the time you know daryl drives the friggin dump truck into the side of sanctuary he didn't like i guess he didn't tell rick he was going to do that but he just went and did something he didn't like sneak around go behind his back make secret allegiances and stuff like that although i guess he had tara on board with him at the time but whatever i think this whole thing with maggie makes less sense the more you look at it and i don't like it either i it's it was my least favorite bit in the episode the least you know understandable part of the episode and uh jesus just makes no sense at all
1: jesus doesn't make any sense uh daryl doesn't make any sense like we've we've talked about this It just these two characters there were they picked at random like they must have been i i suppose almost anybody else in the friggin place would be uh, make more sense. That's I mean, Rick problem. being there would make more sense, oddly enough.
0: Well, uh, when you think about it, I mean, a scene between Maggie and Rick having this debate actually could have been very interesting. I th- I think it might have been out of place in this episode, but if we see it, if there was, say, one more episode in this season and we saw it next week, that would be fine. If we see it somewhere at the beginning of season nine, assuming we aren't two years in the future or whatever... Um, that would also make sense. I think that conversation has to happen or should happen, which I would have appreciated a lot more than this scene of Maggie trying to conspire. And, uh, you know, it just felt like such an evil supervillain scene where she's sitting in her dark office. All she needed was a fuzzy white cat to stroke and, and, and she could have come up with this diabolical plan. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh. I don't know. Even uh, even Carol would have made slightly more sense, even though uh, Maggie would have said, I want to kill Negan, and Carol would say, we can't kill Negan. Uh, she, he's not a little girl. Right. But yeah, that's right. He's not a little girl.
0: We, we let, we Why let, would we kill her? He's we let grown men live. We kill little girls. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if, if Jesus had dissented at all, if he had tried to convince her otherwise, that would have been fine. It would have it just would have made the whole scene make more sense. Like it would introduce to the viewers that, okay, Maggie's feeling this way and maybe she is going to do something about it, but it's not going to be easy because her right hand ninja Jesus is trying to talk her out of it already, which I think I would have appreciated. So it, I don't know. I think that would have made more sense because it would have planted the idea without making it seem so ridiculous and diabolical.
1: Yeah. Right. it uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way that we can write this scene out of continuity. Just get rid of it altogether and pretend it didn't happen.
0: Well, but that's Uh, not what we should be needing, need to be doing. I just, it strikes me right now that there, there would have been a much more logical, believable way to include it,
1: but not make it so
0: redonkulous.
1: Do you think Angela Kang is in her house right now? thinking, what the fuck did Scott Gimple just do to me? Now I have to deal with this shit. Like, everything was going fine. I knew what was going to happen, and then we got this scene on the frigging air, and I have to deal with this now that Scott's gone.
0: You know, they're already shooting season nine, uh, so, or at least starts very soon. Don't they start shooting in May, usually? So
1: they're they're starting soon. Yeah, they're they're doing their final script bullshit now. the, The scripts are or a couple of scripts are done. They're working on the production logistics, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So yeah, she's probably done thinking that, but I just, I can imagine her sitting at home going, man, Scott, why did you fuck me over like this? Well, here's the thing. And this is another thing I just thought of that. There
0: are always these challenges when you change showrunners, right? The governor got all messed up and they had to fix that. Uh, And and, it, and it, it can't be easy to change showrunners because they have different approaches to the show and different approaches to storytelling. So I'm going to make a prediction right now and say that this plot line is not going to be a big deal in season nine because Angela Kang is going to find a way to deal with it and put it behind us. And it's yeah. not going to come up like a big problem.
1: Yeah, I just. I can't I can't see this being a thing. I I see this as a mistake. Yeah. Like it's it's an error in in storytelling that needs to be corrected and we need to move on from it.
0: Right. And maybe Scott Gimple had big ideas. They wrote this episode months ago, right? Maybe he had big ideas for his own version of season 9 that involved this. Plans changed and it was too late to do anything about it now I wouldn't have thought it was too late to cut it out of the episode but who knows what the schedule is like but I think Angela Kang's gonna come on board and she's going to fix this somehow that's my my prediction hopefully it's mm -hmm. satisfying but I think that's what'll what'll go down
1: maybe it was uh Scott Gimple hazing Angela Kang yeah uh, coming on board this is your this is your hazing ritual uh here you go deal with this
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this in there. See what you can do. It's like a it's a test of her uh, abilities as a writer and showrunner,
1: right? I mean, I think J.J. Abrams coming in wouldn't necessarily be able to save this this story, this plot line. No, nah, I have faith. Angela can do it.
0: I think she can do you think it. So yeah. I think you just
1: need to address it and move on, like like you say. Yeah, uh, they're talking about it, and then the next, the next, beginning of the cold open of the next. Uh, season, which i 've already described, but i 'm changing my mind. The cold open could be them <laughs> sitting in a room, and Jesus and Daryl both going, Why are you talking to us like this doesn 't make any sense. Why are you telling me I mean go talk to uh, uh go talk to enid she 's more likely to be on board with this than we are. Do you know who we are? Yeah, that's right. Have you met us before? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you telling us? Yeah. This is
0: stupid. Hey, maybe that's all it'll be. Maybe we will, maybe we only saw the first half of this scene and we're going to see the rest of this scene next season, which is where Jesus speaks up for himself and says, No, Maggie, that's crazy. Don't do that. And I'm going to let everyone know you just said that. So don't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And Daryl's going to say, I'm, I'm going to go tell Rick.
0: Yeah, because that's what Daryl does.
1: That's what I do. I tell Rick and then I punch Rick. This is what we're going to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, he that's doesn't... What al- friends do. He doesn't always tell Rick everything, but
1: I he think... He doesn't always punch him either, so...
0: No, Daryl, you know, he's, he's a bit of a simple guy, I think. So he's going to do what he thinks is, is best. Anyways, we have one more email here from Chris in the UK, and he had all kinds of thoughts on this same issue, but I pulled this out. And Chris says, my first reaction was that Jesus is an odd person to speak to here, but on reflection, it bothers me less. Let's begin with Jesus being Maggie's right-hand man. He was for Gregory, and he is for Maggie. It is well established that Jesus has no interest in being a leader himself, and he probably had to go along with some pretty shady shit with Gregory. To me, there are, are a few possible, possible takes on how Jesus would see this. Number one, Jesus doesn't like unnecessary killing. But he's okay with killing when it is necessary. We've seen him kill. He could well believe that Negan has to die. This is not inconsistent with his attempts to limit the number of uh, other people killed. So maybe he is completely on board. Bear in mind that Jesus has a longer history with Negan than everyone else. We don't know how close Jesus was to the 16-year-old the Saviors killed when they first turned up at the hilltop. Number two, Jesus is not at all on board, and straight after this meeting he goes to alert Rick. I believe he has too much loyalty for Maggie for this to be the answer, plus it kills any potential drama if Rick and Michonne find out what is going on immediately. Or option number three, Jesus doesn't really agree with Maggie, but he doesn't feel he has to take action yet. Maggie said they'd bide their time, it might be necessary... It might not be necessary to do anything. Maybe she'll get over it. If she doesn't, Jesus may be able to find a way to prevent things from escalating too far without having to overtly betray Maggie. Okay. So just a few options there for the way this is going to play out. Uh, well, I
1: hope it's not number three because that seems a little, uh, she's just an overreacting woman kind of Yeah, uh, we, d- we don't option, want that. So uh, let's hope it's not that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't even blame, I don't blame her for feeling this way. Like, no. that's not what I have the problem with here. It's it's that I don't really feel like it's going to be a super interesting storyline, uh, but you never know. But it's more just about, yeah, Jesus sitting there and not saying anything. He needed to have said
1: something. Yeah. Maybe he's so flabbergasted that he hasn't had a chance to speak yet.
0: Well, that's what I'm thinking. And maybe that's what we'll see at the beginning of next year. So
1: <laughs> what are you nuts? And then yeah. he shoots her <laughs> and now <laughs> she can go on and have a successful movie career. Oh, good. God, let's <laughs> let's not even go there, yeah. Oh, you can't shoot a pregnant lady. Jesus can't shoot a pregnant lady. No. I'm just going to I'm going to say that right now too. Plain and simple, it can't be You can't be done. have that on TV. No, I
0: guess not. All right. Well, thank you Chris for writing in and thank you everyone for writing in lots of good stuff there. And uh we love getting all the feedback and reading it, but that's going to do it for um for this week. And I guess for the most part for season 8.
1: Yeah, I Walking guess Dead so, Season
0: right? 8 is is done, Mr. Miles. Um we I have been chatting with Jason over at uh, the Walking Dead cast about our annual season wrap-up crossover. We don't have the plans set for that yet, but we've been talking about it, so we will figure that out and uh be doing that at some point. That's always a good time. Uh but of course, we will be covering Fear the Walking Dead, which is going to be on the air for I guess the next seven or eight weeks as they do the first half of their season so the plan is to cover episode one and two on monday night when we normally record so we'll do a double episode there to do both of those have you watched fear episode one yet nope nope all right so before monday you have two to watch that's and, true. And uh, As do I. Although I've seen the beginning bit, and what of, you actually
1: uh, mean is, on Monday you have two to watch.
0: Well, on Monday, sure, you have <laughs> you can watch one of them before, and the other one you won't get until well, Sunday night. This Monday.
1: way, it's all fresh in my mind. Okay, fair enough. I so ha- I have my process. I got it. I understood. Um, <laughs> my process is do things at the very last moment. Right, <laughs> just before they're due. <laughs> That's right. All right. I've literally had I've uh, uh, watched episodes and then had to delay the podcast by 15 minutes so that I could finish watching the episode. <laughs> I don't remember exactly whether it was Fear or you know The Walking Dead proper but I I do recall doing that a couple of times. Or well, at least
0: you know, once. That's fine it happens as long as you're not like watching it for the first time as we're talking about it. I don't think that would go so well.
1: I've never come on to the podcast without actually uh, watching the episode. I have come on the podcast without watching some of the, Remember that time I didn't watch that movie that we were supposed to watch? Right. Uh, and then I promised I would watch it five times afterwards and, yeah. and never did. Remember? <laughs> yeah, I remember.
0: I remember, yeah. How many times have you watched it since that
1: day? Not a not a single moment. Oh, and uh, I always mean to go back to it. I, have, I still have uh, this little knot of guilt. Rolling around (laughs) in my belly about that. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, someday, maybe you'll just sit down one day and watch it five times back to back.
1: Well, that's what I meant to do to make up for it, but you know, it's still in the back of my mind. Someday. That was a Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, movie, right? We were doing an actor spotlight on Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's correct. At this moment, I
0: don't recall what movie it was, but yeah, it was one of his for sure. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay. Well, that's what's
0: happening in the next uh, number of weeks. We'll be covering Fear of the Walking Dead. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes since Morgan is uh, moving over to that show. But that's not until Monday. So we're going to wrap things up here now. Uh, we do have a brief after hours to come. I've got a couple of really short emails that I just wanted to address before we wrap it up. So stay tuned for that if you are interested. Um, but otherwise... Since season eight is over, I just wanted to give a a big shout out to everyone for listening. A huge thank you for tuning in for another season with us here and with The Walking Dead. Um, If you watch Fear, I hope you'll stick around while we cover Fear over the next eight weeks. Uh, If not, though, I mean, stick around anyways and and definitely come back when we're in the summer and we're recording more like every couple of weeks. There's a few movies I want to talk about and there's... Some other stuff to do, maybe smack actor spotlights, then even as well. So there's uh,
1: always a Star Wars movie, right? We can always talk about that.
0: Well, we do have the Solo movie coming up very soon. We're going to have to talk about that. Uh I think that's the only Star Wars movie this year, but we can't skip it. We have to cover we're not, it.
1: We're not getting another Star Wars movie at Christmas.
0: Nope, not that I'm aware of. Shit. No, it'll be it'll be another couple of years until Episode Nine comes out, and chances are we'll still be here podcasting about the Walking Dead so we'll be podcasting about Star Wars too I would hope so anyways thank you so much to everyone for for tuning in and listening all season long and if you do drop off until next season of the Walking Dead starts well I do hope you come back and we'll we'll see you then but uh, stick around it's it's always a good time. So, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, visit the website at TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Click on Send Voicemail up at the top and record a message straight into your computer. It'll get emailed to us. You can also find us on Twitter at talking dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead. And, of course, email can always be sent to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. That's where you want to send in your entries for the season eight, record your favorite scene contest. Please remember the deadline is, uh, this Sunday, the 22nd at the end of the day, Eastern time. I will likely post a reminder maybe on Saturday on Facebook. So, uh, if you forget, make sure you go to our Facebook page and then you will be reminded. (laughs) Um, but get those in and we will, talk or we'll announce the winner roughly a week later when we're talking about, I guess, episode three of Fear the Walking Dead by then. So uh, get them in. Um, Can't wait to hear all the final entries. All right, Jason, that is going to do it for now. We're going to have a really quick after hours after this. But uh, otherwise, everyone, until next time, my name is Chris.
1: My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.
2: Hello. I'm sorry I didn't see you there. Please, come in. Chris and Jason have just popped off to change into something a little more comfortable. You know what those boys are like. Please, sit down, help yourself to a drink, and welcome to the Talking Dead After Hours.
0: Alright, so I got two emails here really quick, Jason. I want to go through one of them is from Patty in the South. And Patty just sent in one word, and I, I'm going to find out if you are understand what's going on here. Patty okay. writes, proto-nostalgia.
1: Oh.
0: So you were wondering what you would call nostalgia for, you feel, for something that hasn't happened yet? Yep. And Patty is proposing proto-nostalgia.
1: Proto-nostalgia.
0: Yeah. Now, the only thing about that is the... Proto means first, whereas pre means before. So while proto applies, I think that pre might be a little bit more appropriate, and you would say pre-nostalgia.
1: Sort of like pre-crime, right? right? Well, sort of like pre-what? Pre-crime, in a way. Pre-crime. Yeah. Or precog, or precognition. Precognition of
0: crime, yeah, in that movie. But proto just kind of sounds cooler, so it's it like first nostalgia, so... Proto-nostalgia, I I sort of like it. Yep. And I knew what she meant. I knew what she was talking about. Yeah. Now it's Patty with D, so I think it may be he. Oh, he then. Patty. Whatever. Pronouns are stupid. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but okay. (laughs) Well, there's no non-gender specific personal pronoun. Uh, Right. So the only thing you can use is it, (laughs) which is, you know, highly insulting. It's right. Proto nostalgia does sound pretty good. I knew what it was talking about.
0: Uh, Yeah. You know what? It's Patrick. So Patty, Patrick. Okay. So, okay.
1: He then, I apologize. Said (laughs) Patty, I assume, you know, female. Yeah, that's fine. It happens.
0: Anyways, proto nostalgia. uh, You know, we can't take credit for the term now, but if that starts a thing, you heard it here first. Yes. (laughs) Okay. And finally, Tom in Runcorn, which is near Liverpool, Tom says. Uh, he wants to know, could we possibly have a brief after hours update on the AirPods? I'm looking to buy some for the gym and wondered if they would be suitable.
1: Now I saw some guy wearing those today. Okay. He, he got out of a car with his son. I was picking up my, uh, my son from daycare and he got out of a car with his son, uh, older son to go pick up a younger child at daycare, I assume. And he was wearing these ear pods mm-hmm. and I thought it looked stupid because <laughs> he's, hanging out with his son and i would never do that like take the damn things out of your ear if you're hanging out with somebody right oh totally if you're listening to something that's horribly rude because you're hanging out with your son you're going to pick up something and if you're not listening to something take them out of your damn ears yeah no i agree
0: with you you don't i mean you don't have headphones on when you're hanging out with somebody unless you're doing this you and i are both
1: wearing headphones right now well i can't hear you without the headphones good point (laughs) <laughs> right. So, and it's not like I'm listening to music <laughs> while I'm doing the podcast or listening to something else. Right. So, yes. So, it's necessary to have this conversation. Yeah. So, in
0: that context, I totally agree with you. Like, he shouldn't have had them in his ears. I, there are extenuating circumstances you may not have known about. Maybe he was on the phone with somebody briefly or something
1: like that because that's what they do. But maybe he has a hearing impediment and he needs them. He uses them as, uh, you know, to be able to hear his son. So without them, he can't have a conversation with his son. So maybe, yeah, me, I'm way off base. I don't think that's and a I thing, sh- but whatever. Well,
0: why not? Well, why would you put earphones in? They're not hearing
1: aids. Like, they don't enhance your no, hearing. No, I know that. But maybe he was using his, there's a, there's an app on his phone that he can use to enhance or to uh, to make the background noise or, you know, make noises louder so that he could hear them. I don't know. Maybe there's there's an app for that. Maybe his son was on a different phone talking to him on the phone.
0: I have no idea. Okay.
1: Whatever. So all I'm saying is I might be an aid to helping have the conversation with his son. So maybe I'm, you're right. Maybe I'm too quick to judge.
0: All right. Well, anyways, to answer Tom's question, I've been using them now for a number of weeks. Uh, I don't know exactly. When did I go to Chicago? Oh, it was in January. End of January. I have no idea. It was in end of January. Where? Yeah. So okay. I've been using them since then. Um, and I have to say, I quite like them. They are, yep. they're light- they sound pretty good. Uh, I have figured out a way to make them feel more secure in my ears. Honestly, part of that might have just been getting used to it, though. Like Is it there's, Play-Doh? There's a big factor there. No, it's not Play-Doh. <laughs> it's big pieces of <laughs> duct tape across my side of my head, so that yeah, really yeah, works.
1: Yeah, well, I figured Play-Doh, you just pack them in. You pack the Play-Doh in and, yeah. you know... Get it in there. I mean, no. You probably have a constant supply of Play-Doh around the house. so.
0: Uh, no, um, kids are a little beyond Play-Doh now. You know, they're really into slime. you never
1: get beyond Play-Doh, my friend.
0: Well, they have. They're super into slime right now. Slime is just making the rounds. Every kid loves the
1: slime these days. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the slime.
0: Well, you take glue and you mix it with stuff and you create this slime and it's like a slimy... Um, oh, it's a craft. It's a craft,
1: yeah. Okay, well, then I can understand that and I'm on board as long as it's not another product.
0: No, no, no. You make it yourself. You do you have to buy glue and sometimes glitter if you want to put it in there and some nice. other stuff. And you mix it all up in certain quantities and make slime. Anyways. It'll
1: be a product in three months. Oh, probably. Yeah,
0: probably. Probably already is. Anyhow, um, what I, the way I came up with to keep them in my, my ears better is a technique I saw online. Some dude uh, discovered that you can get this. Um, it's not medical tape, but it's like this spongy little it's sort of spongy tape that you can um that you can put a couple dots of on the ear pods. Uh he recommended you get a a one hole punch and punch out yeah. some little round uh holes of tape and then put them on in the right spot and it just provides a little more security in your ears. Now if you have smaller ear cavities, you probably don't need to do this anyways, but it not only enlarges them a little bit but also adds a little bit of grippiness to them. So they seem to just grip into your ears a little bit better, but it's weird. I still do feel like they fit better in my ears in the morning than they do by the end of the day. It's just my ear holes seem tighter in the morning for some reason. Um, But (laughs) having said all that, I'm not worried about them falling out, but I have knocked one out of my ear before um, by accident. So you got to be careful with that Um, in terms of just sort of the sound quality and stuff. I think it's good, but to be quite honest with you, I don't listen to a lot of music. I listen to mostly podcasts while I'm riding the bus or, you know, walking to work. Uh, occasionally I have put music through them and they sound fine to me. I'm certainly not an audiophile, but they sound just fine. So I have yeah. nothing well, I mean, to say there. Any
1: any you're listening to music through a quarter inch speaker. Uh it's going to sound okay. Sure. It's not going to sound fantastic. No,
0: I mean music through these this headset I'm wearing right now, these Sony whatever they are, um sounds great, right? But I don't listen to a lot of music sitting here either, but uh, occasionally I do. Yeah. Anyways, sound quality is perfectly fine. I figured out a way to make them stay in my ears. I've never really worked out with them, done anything really strenuous. I don't know that they would be great for that um tom says he wants them while
1: you're playing hockey he
0: wants to he said he wants to buy some for the gym no i have never kept them in while i was playing hockey they'd fall out for sure if you're if you're doing that you're just shaking yourself around too much so i don't know if they would be the best choice for gym listening unless you really i mean unless they really fit well and stay snug in your ears but again it depends what you're doing at the gym right like well
1: the thing about the gym is uh the cable it's such a pain in the ass cuz yeah. whatever equipment you're on you're going to get tangled in the friggin' cable i remember going to the gym and listening to headphones uh and i fucking hated the cord because yeah. no matter what you're doing that cord's going to get tangled on things i have uh, akg headphones that i'm over-ear headphones that i'm i'm listening or I'm on i have on right now and i like them a lot the sound quality is really good uh they're you know reco- uh, uh, studio quality headphones, and they have a really long cable. That's a really nice cable. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's it's actual like good quality cable, and it's such a pain in the ass. I hate this fucking cable. <laughs> I w- I actually bought a set of wireless headphones to use for podcasting, but there's like a freaking ha- a millisecond delay on them, and it makes it impossible to monitor my own audio on them because the delay is so awful. Yeah. Uh, so I'd have to... And I spent 200 bucks on these things. I really like these headphones. It is completely unnoticeable when I'm watching music. Nope. Watching TV or watching uh, some visual. I don't notice the uh, the out of the sync with the lips when they're talking or listening to music. It doesn't matter. But I can't use them for podcasting. Right. If I had spent uh, another $400, so a total of $800, I could get decent quality, uh, wireless headphones with no delay. And yeah. I, I just, I'm not willing to spend that kind of money sure. on a set of good headphones. Yeah. It doesn't take very long
0: for your brain to perceive latency in audio, right? That's why yeah. you can see audio and video being out of sync when it's only a fraction of a second off, right? Just a very low number of milliseconds off when you're watching something. Uh, And when you're listening to your own voice, you have to hear that as quickly as if the sound left your mouth and went right in your ear hole. If it's going through headphones and it's a little bit later than that, your brain goes, this is not right. I can't deal with this. Um, but that's not, wouldn't be a problem with these things, but the cord, I could totally see being a problem at the gym. And I guess it just comes down to what you're doing there. If you're doing something that isn't going to be too, too much body movement, then it might be fine. Right. And, and now that I think about it, maybe the gym isn't a bad place to wear them. But like, you know, playing soccer probably isn't a good thing because you're constantly running around at the gym. You know, if you're if you're a track runner, that might not be good. But if you're just using a machine uh, to do some stuff, it might be OK. So, yeah,
1: um, just be careful. But like I like I've careful said, my them. my test of uh, in-ear headphones is eating KFC. If you can eat KFC with these with headphones in, then they're good. They're good quality and they're in there. Because when you're eating, your yep. uh, the shape of your ear canal changes, right? right. And you're- when you're eating KFC, your fingers are all fucking gross and uh, <laughs> greasy, and you don't want to touch anything. You just your hands become this biological hazard that. Uh, is not supposed to touch anything until you have a chance to, uh, use like 75 like, alcohol wipes or take a shower, take a shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you can eat KFC, meaning that, uh, you don't have to touch those earphones at all while you're eating, then, uh, then they're good quality. So, uh, I've had Apple headphones before and I can't eat KFC in these Apple headphones. Right. Uh, these over ear things that I've got on now, no problem because they don't go in my ear. Right. Uh, I have a, I, I listen to, like you, I listen to mostly audio books when I'm doing stuff uh, out and about. And I have a, a a Bluetooth headset that's, you know, for meant for phone calls, but it only goes in one ear and it's great. Like I can, I can EKFC with this thing in. <laughs> uh, I can, I don't, but right. I can. Yeah. Uh, it And it's comfortable too. I can forget about it. It actually, it's gotten to the point where I've forgotten I've had it in and had it in for hours. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) So I forget, I look like an idiot when I'm, you know, walking around or, you know, mowing the lawn or doing something with this earphone in because it looks like, well, you're mowing the lawn and you're on a fucking conference call. Like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, no, I'm just listening to a book and I don't like cables. Right, of course. It's perfect. (laughs) Well, yeah. So
0: the, the only other thing I wanted to mention here is, I do, I am pretty impressed with the the features of these things. Like when you're listening to something and you take one out, it automatically pauses what you're listening to. Uh, assuming you have an iPhone, they only do that with Apple devices. When you put it back in, it automatically keeps playing. If you take both out, it just stops playback altogether instead of pausing it. And uh, I think that's a really cool feature. So when you walk up to the coffee shop and you want to order your coffee, you can just take one out, do your coffee thing, get it. Put it back in and you're good to go. You don't have to right. take your phone out of your pocket or anything. That's kind of fun. Uh, I do have a little bit of trouble getting Siri to work with them, meaning you're supposed to be able to double tap on the on the the headphone in your ear and you'll hear the Siri beep and you'll be able to ask her a question. I have trouble getting that to work, but when it does work, it works just like Siri does. So if you're if you're okay with Siri, then you'll be okay with, with that, I think. Why don't we ask Siri why it doesn't work? I'll try that next time. Yeah. (laughs) And then the little charging case they come with is, is super cool. Like it's just this neat little dental floss looking thing. You put them in there. The case has a battery. So the case will charge your ear pods for you or air pods for you. Um, and then every once in a while you plug the case in and, uh, it charges itself up. So it's kind of cool. And again, if you have an iPhone, you put the ear pods in the case beside your iPhone and flick the lid open on it. And on the screen of the iPhone, it'll tell you what the charge is. It's really neat. Yeah. So there's lots to like about them. I did almost lose one on the first day when it fell out of my ear crossing the street in the snow. But I was lucky enough to, to find that. Um, but I'm afraid it's going to come down a little bit to personal preference. The nice thing is, if you go into an Apple store, they let you try them on. Or try them in your ears before you buy them. I did that in the Apple Gross. store to find out. Yeah, they, they give you... I don't know what, how they do it, but they give you some sanitized ones or something like that. And, and you can try them in so you can see how they feel. And, um, I wasn't totally convinced in the store, but I bought them anyways. And, you know, it is sort of unfortunate that I had to use this, this little sticky tape, uh, solution to get them to really feel comfortable, but it works for me. And you can't see the stuff when it's in your ears and they still fit in the charging case with the, tape on them, which is nice, which all the other solutions don't do because other companies are selling like ear hooks for them and stuff like that. But I kind of think, what's the point if you have to buy ear hooks Yeah, and you well, can't charge I them? Have
1: on a, I have a moral issue with having to modify something to make it usable. Uh, yeah, but in this case, it's a- spending. They weren't
0: that much. But I I think in this case, it's a little different because it's not like Apple can make something that fits everybody's ear canals, right? No,
1: but when I bought my Bluetooth ear thing, it came with a few different options. Like the little spongy thing that that fits in my ear. Yeah, yeah. I know Uh, what you mean. It came with a little one and a medium-sized one and a big one. And then it also had a hook that I could attach to it if I wanted to listen to it that way or use it that way. Fair enough. So... It gave you an option. If you even, if if uh, uh, if you bought the, the, what are they called, AirPods? AirBuds? AirPods. AirBuds Air a movie, isn't it? AirBud is a movie, yes. Yeah. But a, <laughs> All right, but so a basketball bought, playing dog, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. If you bought the, uh, the AirPods and then uh, it came with a, a, a gift certificate to buy the appropriate attachment to make it fit in your ear, uh, fine. Or give you the, you know, gave you all three or four yeah. or whatever it was in the box. But Apple's not like that. Apple's like, we designed this thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. And that's yeah. the only fucking option you have. Yeah. Fair enough. That's,
0: that's a good point. And you're right. They could have done it differently. Uh, they would have had to redesign the case and all that sort of stuff, but they could have. Yeah. I suppose. Well, that's,
1: that's their bullshit because it's like, we know we got the case. We can't. We can't do any other options. No, like it doesn't fit in the case. We can't fit the uh, we can't fit a gift certificate in the case, so we can't really put it in the case. <laughs> that's because we that's designed the, the case first, right? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Apple pisses me off
0: sometimes. Oh, me too sometimes. Yet I. Use a lot of their stuff so. oh
1: I'm so yeah, that's another fallacy it's much like uh you know spending the extra two hundred dollars on the last spin of the slot machine and thinking it's a good idea if you even if you win right uh, i'm so it's it's good money after bad, right I've spent so much on apple products, I'm so stuck in their ecosystem now that uh I can't get out, yeah when in fact, that's completely untrue it's just like stop fucking buying apple products and you won't have this problem in a year well.
0: Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but it's hard. Uh, I'm you're talking to me on a MacBook Pro, and it's sitting next to a iMac that is recording this, and sitting next to that on the table is an iPhone, and my my AirPods are upstairs, and the Apple TV is right over there, and uh, yeah. you know the I, uh, the iPad is on the other side of me. So
1: <laughs> I'm using I'm not talking to you on anything Apple based at this uh, at this point. Yeah, it's you're, a Windows machine. Uh, you're- yeah, no, no Apple products. Although I do have uh, two iPads and an iPhone, uh, you know, within arms' reach. Right. So they're there. <laughs> they're there. Yeah.
0: All right. Anyways, this went way longer than I thought it would. But uh, bottom line is, I like the AirPods. I think they are pretty good. But you're going to have to decide if they work for you. Yeah. And they're good return it, policy. So you can always return them after in inside two weeks if you if you really don't like them.
1: Uh, my advice is, if you're not listening to music and you only want to have uh, in something in one ear, or can live with something only in one year, spend $35 on a uh, a Bluetooth earpiece.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it might make more sense because it'll hook on and you're just listening to books or podcasts anyways.
1: I can press play and pause and I have volume controls right on the earpiece. I don't like, it doesn't, know when I take it out of my ear or anything like that, but I can press two buttons at the same time, the volume up, volume down. If I push them at the same time, it pauses. Yeah. So that's what I do when I go get a coffee. I just pause it. But it's only in one ear, so you don't even need to anyways, really. Well, I, you know, then I have to multitask. Oh, I yeah. have to listen to what I'm ordering and right. uh, what their questions are and the audio book. And if I get behind in the audio book, I have to go back 30 right, seconds because- right, right. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know. It's like what? What's going on now? You know, I listen to very confusing audiobooks sometimes.
0: That one of that problem in a way is solved for me because almost all of my coffee ordering now is done on a mobile app as I'm walking up to the place, so it's right. it's ready and waiting when I get there, and I just walk in, pick it up, and leave. Anyways, so
1: even your coffee is an Apple product.
0: Uh, well, so. the app is on my <laughs> Apple phone on my iPhone. Yes, but yeah. okay. uh, <laughs> the you app pay for it with Apple Pay. No. No, I pay for it with, uh, I I load up a a card, like a virtual card, gift card, sort of. Nice. It's not Apple Pay. I've never used Apple Pay, but. Me neither. Let's call it a night here. We can talk about Apple Pay some other time. Anyways, thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you in a couple days.
1: Ciao, ciao.